Well, good morning, Access Church. How are we doing today? It's so good to see you guys, and uh, really glad you're here. Didn't you appreciate the testimonies from the past uh, two weeks? Two weeks ago, we heard from Pastor Ruben in El Salvador how he was falsely accused by a friend about being associated in a gang, and the police came in during church, arrested him in front of the congregation. He spent many months in prison. He was denied due process. His daughter, Allison, ended up in the hospital while he was in prison. He was only given a small cup of rice each day. He lost about 80 pounds. He got COVID while he was in prison and was sent to what they called the death room, for no one returned from that room. But after 15 days, he, took this, he saw the small window in his room, and through that little window, he saw the moonlight, and he was reminded of a verse in Psalm 121. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And he prayed that God would heal him, and indeed, that is what happened. The Lord healed his body, and he returned then to the prison. One month later, he stood before the judge. And the lawyer did not want to represent him. And so Pastor Reuben prayed, God, you are my defender. And the judge said, I don't know what's happening in my heart today, but in my heart I know that you're innocent. And they released him. But that isn't all to his story. While he was in prison, Pastor Reuben saw as an opportunity to use what, God, what man intended for harm so that he would bring about good, God would bring about good. And while he was in prison... He asked the guards, can I preach? And they said, you're crazy. What you want to accomplish is impossible. But if you get 200 to 300 youth in the field, then we will let you have services every Sunday. Hundreds of young men came to worship the Lord. Pastor Reuben preached the first time on the prodigal son and how the father longs to forgive. During his time in prison over those months, Seven or over 600 of those young men accepted Christ. What an incredible story of what man meant for harm, God meant for good. And then last week, we heard from Jonathan about his four battles with four different types of cancer in his life and how he sees this as an opportunity to lead by example on how to not only survive in times of suffering, but to thrive by living God's purposes in your life. He was led and through a time of utter dependence on the Lord and a reliance on the kindness of other people, all the while staying completely confident in the Lord no matter what happens. And those kind of stories encourage me, they inspire me, and they teach me. And don't they do the same for you, amen, when you hear those? And this month we've been in a series called Things Jesus Never Said because there are phrases out there that people say that Jesus never actually said. And we're doing this series for a couple of reasons. One reason is, too often, Christians use little trite sayings like, God never gives you more than you can handle. Or the Bible says it, so that settles it. But to the person who just lost their parent to cancer, or who just lost their job, or who was just falsely accused and sent to prison, or, or who have real questions, deep questions, and they are, or have doubts even, those kind of things just seem kind of trite, kind of shallow. And the second reason that many uh, that we're going through this series is that a lot of the popular sayings that are out there that are attributed to Jesus are just dead wrong. They're not in the Bible. Jesus never said them. And in fact, Jesus says something that was completely 
opposite of that. Now today, the phrase that I have is, God helps those who help themselves. And if I would have said that before we came in here, I said, how many of you want to take a poll today? Would you just raise your hand if you think God helps those who help themselves is in the Bible? About 50% of you would have gone, that sounds about right. That makes sense. I think that's actually in the Bible. But that phrase is not in the Bible, and Jesus never said it. That phrase often has been attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but it actually has origins back in ancient Greece. Listen to this old parable. A wagoneer was once driving a heavy load along a very muddy way. He came to a part of the road where the wheels sank halfway into the mire. And the more the horses pulled, the deeper sank the wheels. So the wagoneer threw down his whip, knelt down, and prayed to Hercules. Oh, Hercules, help me in my hour of distress. But Hercules appeared to him and said, Man, don't sprawl there. Get up and put your shoulder to the wheel. The gods help those who help themselves. Guys, that is not in the Bible, all right? It's not in the Bible. And so I want you to know that today. And what I'm going to do is talk to you about what is in the Bible. And I want to give you some life lessons. How many of you know the older you get, the more life lessons you have? Is that true? The older you get, the more life lessons you have. So I've got a few. And here's three of the things I've learned when it comes to this topic. Number one, I've learned when I rely on myself, 100%, I'm going to mess it up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about there? Or am I alone? 100% of the time, when I rely on myself, I'm going to mess it up. Haven't you found that to be true? Now, I, uh, I've got so many stories in this category, I hardly know which one to tell. In fact, in the green room back behind uh, before service today, the worship band was asking me, uh, what story are you going to tell today on that subject? The time where you just about electrocuted yourself? That was, that was hilarious. That was so funny. And then that time you almost fell off the ladder. You remember that time, Stephen? That was so good. And uh, I've got a lot of stories when I rely on myself, but 100% of the time I'm going to mess it up. But I want to tell you an old one and a good one. Several years ago, Lisa asked me to take the dog out and take Benjamin for a walk. Benjamin was only about two years old at the time. And so I thought I would accomplish both at one time. We need to be efficient and effective. So I put Benjamin in the wagon and we started out for our walk. Now I had a leash in my hand for the Samoan dog. But in my mind I thought, if I would just kill two birds with one stone, a Samoan is supposed to be a sled dog. I will just tie the leash to the handle of the wagon, put Benjamin in the wagon, and we'll go for a walk down the road. And so this is exactly what I did. I tied the leash on the handle, and I put Benjamin in the wagon. No straps, no harnesses, no safety chairs, and no helmet. And we went on our way. In my mind, I thought that this is going to be a happily giggling Benjamin. As we walk down the road, the dog will be walked, I will be happy, and all will go well. You guys can already see the problem. You're ahead of me. Things did not go as smoothly as I thought. Uh, we did start off. I said, Samantha, come. She started to walk. Uh, it started okay. She would get a little head, but when every time she start, Benjamin would jerk back in the wagon. And then I would yell out, heel, heel. The dog, being obedient, would listen, would stop abruptly. Benjamin, <laughs> the only problem is the wagon wouldn't stop when the dog stopped. And so the the handle of the wagon would pop the dog in the rear, and the dog would take off again. And this went on for a while, Benjamin rocking back and forth the entire time. 
uh, he was, uh, I thought, happy a bit, so I thought this is going fine. That is until we got to the end of the cul-de-sac, and rather than gently guiding the dog around the cul-de-sac, I simply said, Samantha, come, and she made a quick turn, and the wagon did not make a quick turn, and it went over, and Benjamin went face first into the pavement, and I thought, oh no. And I picked him up, and I brushed him off. I didn't see any problems. Yes, he was crying, but I thought, okay, this is going to be all right until I noticed there was blood on his shirt, and apparently he went front teeth first into the pavement. How many of you see me differently now, amen? You see me differently than what you did five minutes ago, all right? One, one or two of you. Um, And uh, so I, I didn't know what to do, except I picked up Benjamin in one arm, the dog in the other, and I waddled back to the house as quickly as I could. But then when I got to the house, fear struck me because I realized Lisa was on the other side of the door and here's her two-year-old son with blood in his face. So I did what any good dad would do. I picked up the hose that was right there next to the front door with the spray nozzle on it and I sprayed him off in mouth and all. And I said, in the meantime, shh, don't tell your mother. Don't tell your mother she's going to kill me. And uh, well, I felt terrible about it. I get inside, I tell Lisa the story. By this time, Benjamin was a bit cleaned off. And uh, after we went to the dentist, um, he reminded me that these are baby teeth and it's going to be fine, although they might become discolored. And for the next four years until that front tooth fell out, that little brown tooth mocked me every time I saw it. And every time I saw it, I kept thinking, when is that thing going to fall out? And that little brown tooth was a reminder that I am not that smart that I am not that perfect, and when I rely on myself 100%, I'm going to mess it up. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? And I've done it not just with those kind of things. I've done it with things that are more serious. I have relied on myself when facing temptation. I have tried to white-knuckle my way through temptation. I will not fail. I will not fail. But guess what? When I rely on myself 100%, I'm going to mess it up. I've relied on myself when it comes to making big decisions. I made a bad investment that was somebody else's plan. Sure, we prayed about it, but in the end, I moved forward even against my own dad's advice, and we paid for that mistake for years. When I rely on myself 100%, I'm going to mess it up. Is that just me? Is that just me? When you rely on yourself to fix a relationship, to, to maybe uh, make a big decision, to plan for the future, to heal a brokenness, to break an addiction to move beyond a generational family habit 100% of the time, when you rely on yourself, you're going to mess it up. That's just my experience offered to you today, free of charge. Number two, here's the second thing I've learned. The gospel is 100% Jesus plus nothing else. 100% of the time, if you rely on yourself, you're going to mess it up. But when it comes to the gospel, now what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to save us, die for our sins on the cross, and rise again on the third day. When it comes to being forgiven by God, being saved from our sins, and being promised heaven when we die, that is 100% Jesus and 0% you. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is nobody perfect. There is no one righteous. Now, the truth is, some people are a little better than others, right? Truth? I mean, look at your neighbor right now and say, you're better than me. Go ahead and tell them right now, you're better than me. 
Some of you, even as you said it, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. You just lied right there in church. You're like, you're, you're not really better than me. But it might be true, but it might not be true. But the person next to you, they might be better than you. They might be like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. But even Mary Poppins is only practically perfect. There is no one righteous. We are all sinners. Romans 3.24 says, and 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. As the DJ used to say in 1985 at Skate Town USA off of 275, this is an all skate. We have all broken God's commands. We have all decided to do things that are not in God's will. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and what we earn from that sin is that death. It is eternal separation from God, and, uh, and that is what we earn for our sin. All of us are sinners. But God, in His great love, decided to do something about it. Our Savior Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, came to be our sacrifice. He came to give His life as a ransom for our sins. He died in our place, and that is 100% Jesus. Now, some people will have the idea that you can earn your way to heaven. If they just work hard enough, or sacrifice enough, or go to church enough, or pray enough, or just be good enough, they'll be good to go. They believe that really each and every one of us will go to heaven. Only the really, really, really bad people are going to be condemned. But the Bible says the path to destruction is wide, and many people find it. The road to, to heaven is narrow, and only a few p- people find it. And so there's an erroneous idea out there that if you're just good enough, then it's all going to be fine. And there's another idea that, that people have, and that is, okay, uh, Jesus has done his part, but I will do my part as well in salvation. In other words, Jesus, you did most of work, but I'll clean myself off, I'll get myself right, I'll perfect myself first, and then I'll come to you. In other words, you start building the bridge, but halfway through, I'll put the hard hat on, I'll pick up the hammer, and I'll build the rest of the way, and together we'll get this salvation thing done. Not when it comes to salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. It's not your own doing. It's a gift. You have not earned it, and you can do nothing for it. A gift is given from the heart of the giver. It's given out of love, and your only part is to receive it. Back in uh, September 1985, my dad went downtown Cincinnati. He went to several local scalpers. little red story for you here. He wanted me on our family, some of our family, to be part of a great moment. He wanted us to see Pete Rose beat Ty Cobb's record and go 41-92. And sure enough, that night in September, we were in the red seats back in that stadium. That was the upper level. And we were watching on the third baseline as Pete Rose got his hit. And he ran to first base, and people were so excited, they stopped him at first base. They're like, this is incredible. You just broke the all-time hit record. And people were going crazy in the stands and high-fiving each other. Big boy fireworks were going off in the Ohio River as people were excited about what was happening. And in that moment, my father wanted me to be part of a great celebration. He made sure that I had the ticket. 
He made sure that it was taken care of, that it was purchased, and that I was in the stadium for the great celebration. And friends, our Father, our God in heaven, He gave us a payment, a payment for sin, a payment for our death. He took the payment on the cross. He gives us the opportunity. And like me that day, had to simply receive it, you have the opportunity to receive Christ to be part of the greatest celebration of all time when Jesus Christ splits the sky and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But you can do nothing for it. It is 100% Jesus. He's our salvation. Have you received it? Have you come to the point of your life where you realize, I cannot do this on my own. I need God in my life. I need his salvation. I repent of my sin. I confess him as my Lord. I want to be immersed into Christ, baptized into Christ, have all my old sin and my old life and all my future sin eradicated, taken care of, forgiven forever so that I can have eternity with God. 100% salvation is Jesus. But number three, and to stick with the 100% theme because that's the way my mind works, you know, Rely 100% on God, but give 100% of yourself. Now, what I mean is when it comes to salvation, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift from God that's got to be received. But when it comes to your life, your day-to-day life, your, your set-your-goals life, your achieve-them life, you help other people life, that requires you to give your very best. James chapter 2, verse 17 says, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Some people sit around and say, I can do it on my own, 100% I can rely on myself, I don't need any help. But that's a recipe for failure, as I've already talked about. Some people do that, though. There are other people who, instead of relying on themselves, they simply go the other way and they say, you know what, God, I need a new job. I'm just going to sit here in my house, you get me that new job, I want a new job. And they treat God like a genie. And they say, if I just have a new faith, enough faith, God's going to give me that job. And I would say to you, no. Go apply. Get some training. Go network. You say, oh, God's going to fix that relationship with my estranged child. No. Write a letter. Apologize if necessary. Make the effort. You say, God's going to open a door for me to serve him. Maybe he will. But pray like crazy and then have the courage to walk through the door when it actually opens. I like what Mark Batterson said one time in his book, Circle Maker. He said, pray as if it depends on God, but work as if it depends on you. Pray boldly, but work diligently. Set your dreams. Move forward with faith and purpose and attention. Set dreams that are so big that they will fail if God is not in them. In the end, when the goal is achieved, set a goal so big that you know that when it's accomplished, everybody's going to look and say, there's no way you did that by yourself. They're going to give credit to God. Rely 100% on God, but also give 100% of your effort. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to take credit for anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency isn't from God. In other words, you're not sufficient in yourself. You can't do it on your own. You can't accomplish it on your own, especially big goals. Goals that are meaningful goals, purposeful goals, life-fulfilling goals, kingdom-minded goals. You can't do that on your own, so you rely 
on not your own sufficiency so that you take credit, but instead, he says, you rely on your sufficiency from God. He's your power when you are weak. He's the one that you rely on. Now, when it comes to this popular phrase, God who helps those who help themselves, I think that all of us will probably come to a time in our life where we will face a challenge or a problem or a hardship or a tragedy that is so difficult and so unexpected that you find the only thing you can do is 100% to rely on God. Clarence Haynes writes in Christianity Today, the reality isn't that God helps those who help themselves, but that God helps those who realize they can't help themselves. God helps those who realize they can't help themselves. Isn't that good? He isn't like, get it together, Steve, and I will help you. Help yourself, Stephen, and I will jump in to help you. God's not like that. God's like, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Trust me. Rely on me. Come to a place where you realize that Jesus is the vine and you are the branches. Rely on him and you will bear much fruit. But apart from him, you can do nothing. In other words, 100% rely on the Lord. Matthew chapter 5, I like the way the message paraphrases Jesus' words. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. You are blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. I like the way he paraphrases that. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Why? Because you realize you've got nowhere else to go. You have nowhere else to turn. Like Pastor Reuben in the prison, you realize to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Either way, either way, God's going to get the glory. But I'm at the end of my rope, so God, what will you do? What will you do? In my community group a few weeks ago, I shared the testimony of Frank Reich, the head football coach of now the Carolina Panthers. He used to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He told about one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history where he was the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Some of you will remember this uh, as, as, uh, as it was a significant moment in the NFL. Jim Kelly, he writes, our star quarterback, got hurt in the last week of the season, so I had to start that game, Reich says. As the game was going on, and we got down by a lot of points, we eventually found ourselves down by 32 And I had a big hand in that. After blunders and miscues for more than half the game, Frank Reich and the Bills were in trouble. Early in the third quarter, the Bills were trailing 35-3. to He says, you know, I can honestly tell you I never thought for sure that we were going to win. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Of course, the game ends, and we have this incredible come-from-behind victory. But that wasn't just any come-from-behind victory. Frank Reich had just led the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. A 38-35 Buffalo win. But a song provided his inspiration. He said, my sister had called me to tell me about a song that she had heard that she thought was incredible. And it reminded her of me and wanted me to hear it. So I listened to the song. The song was in Christ alone. I opened it, listened to it, and basically for three to four straight days, listened to it every second that I could. Frank was so inspired by the song and the role that it played, it motivated him during the comeback. He shared it with the world in his post-game press conference. 
And he said as he stood behind the podium, typically they start firing questions at you. They want to know, how did you do it? How did you accomplish it? How did you make that happen? The greatest comeback in the NFL, how did you make that happen? And he stood up and he said, before you ask me any questions, I want to share the lyrics to a song that have inspired me this week. And then in that moment, he read the lyrics to the song, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I have been blessed beyond measure, and by his strength I overcome. After that game was over and the lyrics were read, he said, it seemed to me that it was written, that song was written for that one game and that one moment in time. He continues, though, what I have since realized is that the song and the lyrics are really about everyday Christian living in every victory. Let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is in Christ alone. Yes, we could claim the victory. Yes, we could say we accomplished it. But let it be said of us that in every victory, it was not us. It was 100% what God did in our life. So friends, today I'm just encouraging you with some life lessons. When you rely on yourself 100% of the time, my experience is you're going to screw it up and so am I. That's just learn from a life of just living and making mistakes. The second thing I've learned is when it comes to the gospel, salvation, it is 100% Jesus and nothing else. There is nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you can do to, re- to, to, to achieve it. You don't deserve it, but you can receive it. You can receive it. And the third thing is that rely in your life 100% on God. You're going to come to that moment in your life where you realize, I can't do anything about this. I need God. I need Christ and Christ alone. But also, friends, give 100% of yourself to the mission. Don't give up. Get involved. Give of yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Serve in the kingdom. Make sure that you're giving your best every day. Set your goals. Look to them. Try to achieve them, but all the while rely on Christ and Christ alone. He is our victory. God helps those who help themselves. No. God helps those who realize they can't help themselves, so they depend on him. God, we pray today. We thank you for everybody who's in this room. Somebody in the room today is facing an incredible challenge. A moment in their life right now where they realize, I don't have the strength to do it. I don't have the wisdom to do it. I don't know how this is going to happen. And God, when we're facing those moments, you give us strength. You help us through it. You give us wisdom. We're not perfect. God, there's somebody in here who needs the word today that in Christ alone will they glory. In Christ alone will they celebrate you in battles won. God, for those today who have never come to the point of receiving Christ, I pray, God, that they would would want to say yes to you. That they would say, God, I want to confess you as my Lord. I believe in you. I want to repent of my sin, God. I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be perfect. It's not you plus me. It's just all you, God, and all we can do is bow our knee, humbly admit, Somebody in here wants to say, yes, I need to be baptized. I want to have all my sin washed away, forgiven. I need a new life. I need your help, God. 
God, some people in here are reeling over the past. They realize that they've messed it up 100% of the time when they rely on themselves only. And because of that, God, they feel bad. They feel, they feel maybe like a failure today. But God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being a God of second chances and ten chances, hundred chances. God, thank you for loving us and your grace and your mercy. And God, I do pray for those who are in their life trying to achieve things, look, looking for goals, trying to make a difference in this life. I pray, God, that they would find that balance, that balance where they depend 100% on you, and yet also they give 100% of themselves. They surrender. And they pray as if it depends on you, God, because it does. But they also work as if it depends on them. Because faith without deeds is dead. Help us to be that kind of people today with that kind of faith. And we pray that in the end, you would receive the glory for it. And we ask this in the name of Christ alone.